here's the big question. You're interested in value investing and valuing and evaluating businesses on a deep level, but you don't know how even after researching for hours, probably dozens of hours, hundreds of hours on the internet and because nobody else shows you how to do it. This podcast has all those answers and much more about value investing and finance. My name is Jason Rivera. Welcome to Value Investing in Your Car. Hey, Jason here. In today's episode of Value Investing in Your Car, I'm going to recap another call I had with a client about capital allocation, this time talking about Amazon and um, specifically Amazon and how it uses its profits to allocate capital well and how this leads to it also paying little taxes for its size. Before we get to that, I need to let you know this pod, uh, this video is available as a podcast in the world, world for free as a podcast on all major podcasting platforms, Amazon, or Amazon, um, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Anchor, and more. Any major podcasting platform, um, value investing in your car episodes are available on that for free anywhere in the world. So, last week, this time last week or the week before, I recapped the phone call I had with a client about capital allocation, specific capital allocation decisions based on real world examples from his business, how I would help them allocate capital. We had another talk after that on the phone about Amazon. There's been this huge news about Amazon and either about how they're taking over the world and how they're making, um, essentially how they're taking over the world, or how they're paying little to no taxes for their size. We talked about all that in this in this talk, so I want to or in this call, so I want to recap this. So first off. The client sent me an article that they found on Box, which I'm going to share with you if I can find it. Where is it? Okay, I cannot find it right now. I will link it below in this article when I do find it. Yeah, I don't see it anywhere. I thought I had it on my tabs. I do not. So I apologize for that, but I'll link it below this video in the podcast um, so you can get to this article. The article is fantastic. There are so many nuances to the whole thing that it's kind of amazing. And I actually just found it as I was looking around. So let's move you over here. And let's share the screen. Okay, so here we are, this article, fantastic article. Again, I'll link it below, and I'll have my team link it below this. But it came out August 21st, so as of this recording, about two and a half, three weeks ago, 2019, and the client found this and wanted to talk about it. So you see this, Amazon's profits, it's showing almost zero profits, blah, 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 2.63 billion according to this, compared to sales of 63 billion. 
So Amazon reports poor profits on a pretty much yearly basis, which leads most people to think that they make no money. It's going to be farther from the truth. So this is where this comes in, free cash flow. Again, I've talked at length why I don't like profit or earnings, which is net profit, and why I prefer free cash flow, operating income, and owner's earnings. This talk and what I'm going to recap for you today is a perfect illustration of that. So, their profit down here is $2.63 billion compared to sales of $63 billion. So, what's that? A net profit margin of less than 5% not good right for a trillion dollar company but their free cash flow to sales ratio is about 40 percent if my mental math is correct that is insane most companies I consider good to great if they produce five percent free cash flow to sales margins over a consistent basis Amazon's lately or as of the last year at least, quarter, was that, the data looks like it goes to, I would assume since the article was written in August, it goes to last reporting quarter. So free cash flow about 40% margin. Again, insane. So how, how, how does this affect it and why is this important? First, and let me bring you back over here to me. Okay, there we are. So, why is this important? First of all, it illustrates why I don't like net profit. Net profit, you can make it pretty much anything you want. If you have good enough accountants, good enough lawyers, and you're smart enough, you can make the number whatever you want. And here is why... Here is why Amazon looks like they're not profitable. They put all of their money into capital expenditures, or most of their money into capital expenditures, reinvestments in the business to grow businesses, acquire things like Whole Foods, um, Zappos, things like that, to continue building their competitive advantages and taking over the world. Net profit doesn't account for any of that. Net profit is, and let me get the specific definition here so I don't screw it up because I don't know I don't follow profit. I don't follow net profit very much, or I don't use net profit at all, but I know what it means, but I don't know what the book definition is. Okay, the actual profit after working expenses, not including the calculation of gross profit, have been paid. So that's a terrible definition. By Google, let's go to Investopedia. Okay, net profit is revenue minus cost of goods sold, minus operating and other expenses, minus interest, minus taxes. So especially if you have debt, and well, every company pays taxes if they're profitable, you can make this number whatever you want. Which makes it far easier to manipulate and make it look like whatever you want it to look like. So this is the, these are some of the main reasons I don't like net profit or earnings or profit. 
um, that all these things mean the same thing. So if you want to learn more about that, go to my articles that should be linked below this about why I don't like the net, uh, net profit because I don't want to get into that again today. But if you want that information, go to those pages. So that's the main reason I don't like net profit is you can make it whatever you want. Here's a perfect example. Net profit is on the bottom of the income statement. It's after subtracting operating expenses, cost of goods sold, cost of revenue, all these things. Taxes, interest, the things I just mentioned. It's after expensing all of these costs. So it's at the bottom of the income statement, right? The cash flow statement, you take the net profit from the bottom of the income statement and you move it to the top of the cash flow statement. And you start subtracting and adding things from there, like capital expenditures, debt issuances, um, share issuances, payments on interest, um, stuff like that, capital expenditures. You put those on the cash flow statement. So you add and subtract from the net profit number to get to your free cash flow number. If you have free cash, if you have positive free cash flow, that is, and you have excess money left over after investing in businesses. So this is the brilliance of Amazon and frankly Berkshire Hathaway as well is Berkshire Hathaway is the same thing. They don't show as nearly as profitable as they are because they reinvest their profits from the businesses, uh, from their other businesses into either cash or buying other businesses or reinvesting in those other businesses that they already own. But that doesn't show up in the income statement. Capital expenditures do not show up on the cash flow statement. It's a big deal, right, for most companies? So net, net profit, to go back a little bit, is also after taxes. Operating profit is before taxes. Net profit is after taxes. So free cash flow is after taxes as well because it comes from the bottom of the income statement to the top of the cash flow statement. So while Amazon does pay profits on its net profit, it doesn't pay pro or pay taxes on its free cash flow. Technically, it does at the bottom level, but not at the top after adding and subtracting all these things. And this is where Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway gain their huge advantages because their businesses that they own produce so much cash, even after investing in capital expenditures and buying other assets, their businesses produce so much excess cash flow that doesn't show up, again, doesn't show up on the net profit statement. They produce so much cash flow that they don't pay taxes on that portion of their capital expenditures. And frankly, why should they? If you're making a capital expenditure, you don't know if it's going to work out. How I don't even know how they would tax you making capital expenditures. That would disincentivize companies to make investments in their companies and to growing their companies. I don't even understand how governments would do that. So without a major, major, major issues. So, but this is where Berkshire and Amazon get their, get their excess cash flow from. They 
use the net profit. Again, from the income statement, make capital expenditures, buy, sell things, add to investments, buy investments, uh, make capital expenditures in their businesses, issue shares, issue debt, whatever. Plus or minus all those things, and you come up with the free cash flow number after ca these kind of capital expenditures and other costs. Uh, so this is called increase for the other things, not capital expenditure specific. They're increases and decreases in um, investing activities, is usually what they're what they're termed as. Or financial financial increase decrease in financial instruments or something like that. So this is how even though Berkshire and Amazon aren't as profitable as they look on the first level, this is how they continue to grow and grow and grow and grow exponentially. They use their money efficiently. This is only possible or only it's only done well over the long term if you invest your capital well, which is capital, capital allocation, what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. If you invest your excess capital well, your, in this case, free cash flow, it compounds exponentially, increases the value of your company, and gives you more and more cash flow. This is why Amazon is, as of this recording, either a trillion dollar company or close to a trillion dollar company. This is why Berkshire Hathaway, or this is how Berkshire Hathaway grew from $100,000 to a million, or $100,000 initial capital when Buffett started his partnership to a $530 billion plus company because they understand capital allocation, they understand free cash flow. You see online, people freaking out because Amazon doesn't pay taxes, and you even see this from presidential candidates. That's not true. They pay taxes on their net profit, but they reinvest so much of their money, well, well is the key word, they reinvest so much of their money well that it produces even more free cash flow but they aren't taxed on this part of it until they either sell the entity or it earns them more net profit or whatever. But in terms of that portion of money, they're investing well and they're returning capital to their investors or their, to their shareholders. They're increasing the value of their shareholders. <coughs> they're increasing the value of the company. They're growing the company. All great things. But you'll see people... And again, most people don't understand this kind of stuff. They just see that Amazon is paying XYZ taxes and it's a trillion dollar company and oh, they're not paying taxes. That's not how it works. Essentially, if you were to tax capital expenditures, which is what you would essentially have to do for these kind of companies, you would disincentivize them from growing, which of course is a horrible thing so, and wouldn't make much sense. So. But this is how, if you understand great capital allocation, this is why it works so well. Because you're earning money here that you pay taxes on that's making a, hopefully a lot more money over time over here that you're not paying taxes on until it either goes to the income statement or you sell the entity. Perfect example of this. Seize candy. Due to accounting rules and regulations worldwide, Seize Candy, if it still showed up on Berkshire Hathaway's annual reports, which it doesn't because it's so small, would still show up as only a $25 million net or value of the company because that's what they paid for. You 
due to accounting rules and regulations until you go to sell something you list it as the value you paid for it so they paid 25 million dollars for C's candy in 1972 since that time C's candy has earned more than two billion dollars in operating profits two billion dollars plus in operating profits for a business they paid 25 million dollars for but it still shows up as only 25 million dollars due to accounting rules this is why if you've ever heard Buffett say the true value of Berkshire Hathaway doesn't show up in the balance sheet or on the, in our financial statements. It's because this doesn't show up anywhere on the financial statements other than I think it might show up as deferred taxes. Um, but even then, I'm not quite sure about that. It shows up in their financial statements in terms of free cash flow production and operating profit production. But in terms of an, like an asset, physical asset on the balance sheet, only shows up as $25 million doesn't show up according to current accounting rules and, and regulations unless they go to sell C's candy it will always be worth 25 million dollars even though again it's worth well more than 25 million dollars if it's earned more than two billion dollars since 1972 in operating profit this is <laughs> the client I was talking with we're, we were talking about this kind of stuff and he said this makes complete sense why don't most people do this or why why don't most people talk about this because it takes a little bit more time and it's a little bit harder to understand than hey this company earned XYZ net profit and this year they paid XYZ taxes that's pretty straightforward again that's not you can manipulate net profit and most people don't know that but that's pretty that's a lot more straightforward than what the talk we just had about cash flow and capital expenditures and issuing shares and issuing debt and stuff like that. That's more straightforward. Another reason is because pretty much every financial website, blog, magazine, newspaper in the world reports earnings or net profit. They don't report operating profit and very rarely we see them talk about free cash flow. So why is that? A, again, it has partly to do with what we just talked about. It's easier to understand than these other two concepts. B, most people in financial institutions and universities are taught about net profit, not about free cash flow or operating profit. Most business owners don't know anything if you talk to them about free cash flow or operating profit. They talk about profit or earnings, which is on the P&L statement if you're a private company or on the income statement if you're a public company. Again, why? It's not taught right. It's far easier to understand these other concepts, or to understand net profit versus these other concepts. Um, and frankly, most people just don't know about this kind of stuff. They don't take the time either to learn it or they don't care. They just want to take the easy way out, one of the two. So we were talking about this, and he said this makes so much sense in your experience dealing with companies and researching companies over the last 12 years and dealing with private companies how much how many people know about this at all business owners executives whatever very few I can prove that because very few companies in the world talk about ROIC in their financial statements and free cash flow. 
they do to a degree because they have to in terms of free cash flow if they talk about it at all most talk about just cash in the bank which is different from free cash flow and this is another topic we hit so what's the difference between before I go back to the other point what is the difference between free cash flow and cash on the bank free cash flow or cash in the bank is cash you have on hand right now that you can use to do whatever you want with free cash flow is money you earn in, from your operations after uh, after subtracting things like capital expenditures you can use this money to invest in your internal operations marketing buying other companies whatever but it's not cash you have in the bank right now it's cash more in the business so to get back to the point I was making earlier free cash flow is talked about to a degree in financial statements most of the time it's it's cash on hand cash in the bank um, something like that ROIC is very rarely talked about in financial statements it's almost always net profit margin sometimes operating profit margin and sometimes very rarely are uh, return on equity ROE they're very and this goes all the way up to public companies most public companies don't even talk about ROIC and which is just absolutely insane to me because ROIC is there have been studies and I think it was Michael Mabusen um, who said the only way to raise the value of your company over the long term in a healthy manner is to increase your ROIC and very few again even public companies talk about this they talk about growing net profit they go talk about earnings which is the same thing they talk about expanding revenue all of these things frankly I don't care about revenue growth great if it's healthy what does that mean if you're growing revenue at 10x for example but you're only growing operating profits at 1x you have a major problem because eventually those will even out and your profits and the value of your company is based on your profit profitability in this case it would be earnings even though I don't like that in this case it would be earnings if your revenue growth is say 10% a year and your profit growth is only 1% a year you're not able to control your costs or you're not controlling your cost you may be able to but you're not doing it that again companies are based they should be based on their uh, the value their value should be based on their profitability not their revenue this is why I always find companies like Amazon Facebook Twitter uber um, these kind of new tech companies this is why I always find them undervalued or o massively overvalued because they're not profitable in a real world what I consider a real world sense cash in the bank cash on hand free cash flow money you can actually use um, operating profits money you can actually use to grow the business so these are some of the things we talked about during this um, hour plus long phone call is we talked about the importance of free cash flow Amazon taking over the world because of their knowledge of cash flow and their knowledge of cap proper capital allocation um, 
the difference between free cash flow and cash in the bank income statement versus free cash flow statement, net profit, um, all these kind of things we talked about. And I'm just scrolling here to make sure I'm not missing anything that I want to talk about because this it was a very very important conversation so here's a stat from this article Amazon had a record 24 billion in capital spending capital expenditures last year which is nearly as much as Google parent company Alphabet Okay, I just scanned the rest of the article. I talked about pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Um, but this, again, understanding free cash flow in a real world sense, everyday sense, how to use it well, and then allocating that capital well, is how you turn Berkshire into a $530 billion company and how you take Amazon from a garage to a trillion dollar company in 25 years. Again, these are rare cases, but if you understand free cash flow in a real world sense and proper capital allocation, you are incredibly dangerous in terms of what you can do in the business world in a good way. Because again, most people, even CEOs of gigantic public companies know nothing about this. They just wanna grow revenue, they wanna grow their empires. They don't think about any of this whatsoever. They just keep doing what they've always done just because that's the what they've always done or they don't want to try anything different or they're scared to try something different. If you are willing to learn about free cash flow in a real world sense and um, proper capital allocation in a real world sense, you are incredibly dangerous in a good way because you have an advantage over 99 plus percent of people and business owners, CEOs, CFOs in the world who just care about short term and not the long term. This is where Berkshire and Amazon get another massive advantage. They don't care about short term pain and earnings losses or earnings declines in the short term. They're always constantly putting more capital into their businesses when they can in terms of in the terms of Berkshire or taking that money out and buying other businesses completely in Berkshire or investing constantly in new businesses, new opportunities like Amazon. Amazon Web Services is taking over the internet. They run most of the internet. Along, I think, I think, what was the status all, a long time ago or a couple months ago? I think it was something along the lines of WordPress, Amazon Web Services, and Google run somewhere upwards of 80% of the internet. <laughs> that's a pretty, that's an insane stat. Again, I don't remember the exact number. That might be slightly off, but it's something along those lines. And that's where Amazon is going to continue gaining its power as well with its purchase of Whole Foods and Zappos and its distribution networks and its fulfillment centers. And Amazon is going to continue doing what it's doing as long as Bezos and um, Amazon's, Amazon board of directors and executive team members continue wanting to invest and grow. They're going to continue to do it because they're doing it well. Capital allocation, it's not like unless you have some kind of major incident and you just lose a ton of money 
like that that cripples you, which again for Berkshire or Amazon would be hundreds of billions of dollars, you're going to continue growing because the massive snowball effect of all of this capital turning into more capital if you invest it well, which compounds and turns into more capital, which just continues this entire cycle. Um, it's frankly, it's probably akin to a runaway train. There's not really much stopping it right now, either Berkshire or specific, or especially Amazon, because Bezos is so much younger than Buffett, unless they just do something stu really stupid. Another thing this relates to, the free cash flow that gives you options, is Bezos sold, I think it was like almost $2 billion in Amazon stock not too long ago to fund his space company. So he's using, again, capital allocation, something he's passionate about, something he believes in, something he wants to do. Selling his stock, capital in this case, to raise money, to spend on his other, one of his other businesses, to take people to space. And I think, was it uh, to Mars or, no, I think he wants to go to the moon or an asteroid. He's, I don't think he wants to go to Mars like Elon Musk. But this is also another example of how free cash flow and cash flow um, give you options as well. <sighs> if your company's worth a trillion dollars, you can take out $2 billion and invest it in another pet project, company, passion, whatever you want to term it, and it wouldn't even cripple, come close to crippling him or Amazon. So this, this is why, and then Berkshire Hathaway and Bill Gates and uh, other billionaires around the world with the uh, Gates Foundation. When Buffett dies, he's donating 99% of his wealth, which at this point will be, he's already donated tens of billions of dollars, but at this point it's probably going to be north of 60 to $70 billion that's going to go to the Gates Foundation that Bill Gates is going to allocate to fighting diseases and educating kids and people around the world. So this is another way to use capital allocation as well, is not just to make more, more money, it's to help more and more people as well. So um, I hope this helped. I thought this conversation was super interesting, and I hope you found value in this. If you if you uh, didn't understand something, I'm sorry, and let me know in the comments below. I'll make sure to clarify it for you as best I can. Uh, but this is some super, it makes sense to me, and it made sense to um, this client after I talked to him about it, and it hopefully will make a lot of sense to you as well after this video and the last video. But frankly, it's not how most people in the finance arena think. So it's incredibly powerful and um, can give you a huge competitive advantage over other investors, other other business people, if you know what this kind of stuff is and how to do it well. So I hope you got a lot of value in this. Um, make sure to like, love, share, subscribe, and uh, hit the notification bell. Subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube so you're notified anytime we release a new video. And make sure to download, subscribe, like, love, share, all that on the podcast as well. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. Talk soon. Bye.